Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. the traditional custodians of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show. I'm an Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland based in the Rockhampton office and I'm really delighted to have Kath Dixon join me for this episode. Kath is the Principal Advisor, Capability and Inquiry. Kath, welcome to the podcast and let's kick off in our usual way. Kath, one word barometer, how are you? And a conversation starter for you, Kath. What is your favourite part about this time of year? Thank you, Trudy, and um, I'm excited to be here. Um, looking forward to, to sharing and having the informal conversation with you. In terms of favourite part of the year, I love this time of the year in terms of it being spring and the flowers that are blooming, the magpie. My father's feeding magpies in his backyard, and they're friendly, other than the ones that you know do attack. Um, but just the weather's gorgeous. Yes, it might get a bit steamy before a you know storm build, but uh, just yeah, lovely weather at the moment. Good for partying and being outside. Yeah, and we've had a few storms as well just to kick off the summer season. Uh, I think there's one brewing this afternoon. I think Piney Valley have got a blackout this afternoon and fires, I believe. So rain would be really good. Yep. Yeah, and. Um, Kath, I have to say for me at this time of year, it's the start of the season for marking milestones. As we come into the second half of Term 4, it's all of those milestones that we mark off in terms of students graduating and formals and farewells and it's it's just that, that time of year for that. And of course, I ask this question because it's also the time of year when schools start to review what they've done for the year in terms of their AIP and if they've had a school review, they're also going to start getting their heads into some collaborative inquiry and strategic planning for the next four years and I thought that would be a great topic for us to have a conversation about. Sounds good, Trudy. It's definitely that time of the year. I get excited at this time of the year by the quality and the authenticity of the conversations that are happening where people are really drilling down into their data, looking at, you know, and and celebrating what they've achieved throughout the year and identifying realistically, you know, what is the next step. It's a great opportunity for principals to be able to inspire and motivate, um, to rejuvenate those conversations in that direction for the school whether it's just for the next 12 months or for the next four years if, if school principals and their leadership teams are collaborating on the development of their next strategic plan. A very exciting time 
um, a great time for being able to build capability across our leaders and our middle leaders um, and, pro and promoting that professional learning. And Kathy, in your current role, and, and you have done previously, I know that you've done a lot of work with school leaders and school leadership teams in this space. So what would you point people to as the first point of reference? This first, Trudy, the school planning, reviewing and reporting framework. And um, if anyone gets the opportunity to participate in any of my presentations or listen to any recordings or sharings that we do, I've stolen a quote out of the SPIRF document and I've got it at the bottom of most of my slides because the, the quote in there that really sticks with me is, school planning, reviewing and reporting is most effective when it's collaborative, transparent and evidence informed. To me, that's what this time of the year is really, really about, you know, focusing on that planning, reviewing where we've been, um, knowing that the inquiry cycle can start at any place, you know, so for some schools it will be starting at the um, scanning and assessing, some schools will be starting at that review process and of course um, reporting and celebrating what they've done well throughout the year and and their learnings throughout the year. You know, sometimes things that haven't gone the way that they intended or hoped, there's still um, learnings within that conversation too. So. The SPIRF document, the School Planning, Reviewing and Reporting document is definitely um, the first point of reference. For us, the other major point of reference is every student succeeding, the State Schooling Improvement Strategy, because that gives us the picture of how we go about it. So the school improvement model, which is made up of the three pieces, the school improvement hierarchy, the inquiry cycle and the standards of evidence, is embedded in the SPIRF document. It's um, a key component of the process that's within the whole school planning process. So the modernised version of the school improvement model is something that the system snuck up on us and really didn't articulate the thinking or reasoning behind the change in the presentation, how they've modernised it, and I really appreciate what this, the leading school improvement site has done to articulate what has happened with the school improvement model. And you might be looking at me going, Kath, what are you talking about? And I'll just explain to you because um, to me, finally, those pieces stick together. So I'm sure everyone's familiar with the school improvement model and the changes that have been made to that are only subtle in terms of the colouring. The, so the bottom layer where it talks about the analysis and discussion of data and a culture that promotes learning has been coloured the dark blue. And that is um, matches or aligns to the dark blue section of the inquiry cycle, which is scan and assess. So in terms of our scan and assess process, we actually usually scan and assess around the data and around our culture. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go ahead. And I call that the head and the heart. To me, that's the head and the heart um, of our scanning and assessing process. The engine room that we know is, uh, you know, our curriculum work and our key reason for being here around systemic curriculum de delivery, the pedagogical practice and effective teaching are coloured blue. And that matches the blue section of the inquiry cycle which is where we get our priorities from. So our key work 
is it on or around something out of that engine room? So, you know, it might be around our curriculum delivery and the th implementation of the three levels of planning. It could be around our pedagogical practices and our approaches that we're going to use and how they align to the intent of the curriculum. Or it could be about setting up that effective teaching, expert teaching team, um, using coaching, modelling, that sort of thing. So just straight away, that's a great alignment that we didn't have before in the process. And the other um, key alignment that they've created is in the development plan and the colour of the development plan is the purple and it matches directly with the standards of evidence. So the standards of evidence are a good way of evaluating the effectiveness of your plan, whether you know, you've designed a um, plan that's going to actually meet your problem of practice or address your problem of practice and the issues that are contributing to that problem of practice. It's where you'll analyse or determine what investment um, you're going to put into this, what are your input measures, what's the impact, what do you expect to get out of it, and scalability. How are you going to document it so that somebody else could pick up this plan and operate or implement it in another context, in another classroom, that sort of thing. So I love what they've done with the school improvement model. To me, it just makes sense. Those three components just work together so well. And in, in addition to those, we've got the chain of evidence, which also gives it some more depth too. Well, I see what you mean about sneaking up on us, because I had no idea about that colour coding, and I love a good colour coding system. Yep. So that's awesome. Thank you, Kat. So what other little gems have you got for us? Uh, well, I mentioned just then about the head and the heart. So to me, at this time of the year, as we said, you know, it's exciting to, to take that time, and I know everyone is time poor. The time that you can create and allow yourself to actually review is setting yourself up for good, good success in the future. The system has learnt, we have learnt, that we don't do the review part real well, very well, and it's in shortcutting the review that we actually make it harder for ourselves in the long run. So. I've got a, an image in front of me, Trudy, and I know you can see it, but I'll try to explain it um, to those who can't see it visually. So I've got the, the bigger rect rectangle box. It's coloured in the dark blue. It's around scanning and assessing, and I've got two little subheadings to it. Part One part is around the head, and the other part is around the heart. So as I sort of alluded to before, the head is where we're really looking at the analysis and discussion of data. And when we talk data, I actually prefer to use the word evidence because it doesn't necessarily have to all be quantifiable data, things that you can measure. It can be evidence in terms of change in practice and perceptions and attitudes that are also part and parcel of that. The other part of the review, as was said before, is around the head. And the head is around the school values and the visions and the culture that promotes learning. And it's where, you know, we have a number of artefacts that schools have developed or are currently developing, like the student code of conduct, their um, parent and community engagement framework. Those documents have got in their statements around their vision and values. And across all the artefacts, do with those vision and values align? Do they all 
um, address our current departmental priorities? Do they reflect inclusive practices? Um, you know, are we true about every student succeeding? When we read our vision and values, does it actually give that message about it's about every student, irrespective of race, age, ability? Is it about um, you know, every student, the focus is on the student and the student needs and that's what drives us. And it's around their success, not only their learning success, but their success in their well-being and their resilience and their attitude and disposition to learning. So in the visualisation, I've got that bigger rectangle that's got the review, scan and assess. And then as we come closer or into the middle of the rectangle, we've got prioritising. And that's where you really look at the strategic plan and what are the strategies and the success indicators for that strategic plan. So we're getting finer grained, but we're, we're starting to get a bit more direction in what we want. And then in the sort of the middle of the rectangle, I've got where we get down to the develop and plan, which is around the annual developmental determination of actions and the targets that we want for the next 12 months. And even down to checkpoints and milestones that we might want on a termly basis, like every three months, to make sure or monitor that we're on the right track or heading to where we want to be. That's a really well-structured diagram and I love how it has the components that you address in your strategic plan and I love the way it's aligned to the components of the inquiry cycle. Kath, could we link to this in the show notes so that people can see that diagram? I think that's a good idea, Trudy. It's very difficult to, it's not a complicated diagram, but trying to explain it and allow people to visualise it, I think it's just a nice way of capturing. Yeah, it. so we'll pop a link in the show notes and, and encourage everyone that as you're listening to this, go and have a look at the diagram. It's like three concentric rectangles, which is a bit of a different um, yeah organiser but it is lovely the way that it is positioned and how those different pieces are connected as a part of the, the cycle. So that's great. Thanks Kath. So where are we going to go to next? Trudy, um, the key messages that the centre has given us, the five last five years of the school reviews that we've had the messaging has very much been about having sharp and narrow explicit improvement agenda. So I think that's a major thing that we really need to address and for people to feel as though they have permission to keep it sharp and narrow, gone are the days of you know 10 page AIPs or strategic plans that are five or six pages long. You know we've got every student succeeding it's our strategy for our department and it's on two pages. If you know, if they can do it, we can do it, we can narrow it down. So the learnings for the last five years is around having a sharp and narrow explicit improvement agenda. Not to be confused with in the past we used to call it explicit improvement agenda like the the week by week, you know, I'm gonna have these these uh, data sets available every five weeks and all that sort of thing. The explicit improvement agenda is really about having that that drive and the vision and the leadership and the roles and responsibilities set up to drive change and improvement in a school. So it's not a one document, it's that whole piece together. 
in the conversations I've been having with schools, if we're getting down to really specific action plans, we're calling those detailed action plans or, you know, they might be an action plan that's written by a department HOD. So it's, you know, it's the, the technologies action plan. So it's down very specific. It's got, um, you know, actions there for every week, every two weeks, or that, that sort of thing. You wouldn't have that level of detail in an annual implementation plan, but collectively, all of these plans, your strategic plan, your annual implementation plan, and your detailed plans, all are part and parcel of establishing, maintaining that explicit improvement agenda. Explicit improvement agenda is also going to have purposeful collection and the application of data to student learning. So this is where I find the chain of evidence comes, becomes really quite central to this because the chain of evidence, yes, the end point is the change in student achievement data or wellbeing data, but for that to happen, the prelude to that is the change in teacher practice and then the prelude to that is the change in teacher's knowledge and understanding. So it really allows us, um, when we're strategically planning and, and planning our annual implementation plans, to use the chain of evidence as a way of going, okay, I've got to build my teacher's knowledge first. I've got to work on that. Then, you know, collectively we've got to allow teachers to start changing practice and that might be where I set up coaching, modelling, work shadowing, um, you know, using the gradual release of responsibility. And then to the stage where, again, it might not be measurable, but it's observable changes in teachers' practice, their behaviours when they're doing planning or differentiating for student needs within classrooms or the pedagogical decisions they're making to match the students' needs, those sort of things. Um, it's about having clear roles and responsibilities for the team and, the, and that everyone is aware of what they're, and accountabilities. And the focus is on leadership. It can't happen without willing driving leaders who are collaborative and evidence informed. There's some really great key and pivotal findings from the reviews and, and we as an organisation too continue to learn, aren't we? Like we're a learning organisation, an organisation that continues to learn and those school reviews and the collective findings from those are so helpful in terms of informing our next piece of work. I, I love the last one where you said the focus on leadership and the other part is the leadership focus on the learnings. It mm. all is hand in glove. And um, that reference to the chain of evidence, it really is such a, a great document. And when you understand how it works, it can be so helpful in terms of thinking through your strategic planning and, and where the work needs to happen to, to help drive the actions for uh, improvement in student outcomes. Trudy, with that chain of evidence, I sort of overlay it on the bottom of the inquiry planner. So down the section of the inquiry, bottom of the inquiry planner, which is around the review, the data that you might have or the evidence that you might have, the professional learning really is the input measures. So what are you putting in place to enable the change in teacher's practice? 
the interim indicators are really around the change in knowledge and understanding and change in practice and the outcome measures is the change of learning achievement that you want to achieve. So I find that just shows that link again between the various resources when we overlay, you know, you can overlay the standards of evidence over the inquiry cycle. They're all interrelated and the more you you play with these documents and these tools that the system has given us, which is all again, like you were saying, Trudy, it's about we've, we're a learning organisation and we've got these tools now. We have got a common language, a meta language, to be able to talk about the processes that we have, or that we can use. We've got a language that we can talk about in terms of where our key work is when we make reference to the improvement hierarchy. It's it's most exciting time to be playing in strategic planning. I might sound a little bit of a nerd sometimes, <laughs> but I love this sort of work. It's just I can see the lights come on for people, um, and you know when we have the honest conversations around where schools are at, most people by the end of the conversation go, well I don't really have to change much. I just need to be focused. I need now I've got clearer direction and I can see where I'm going and I can ignore the busyness and I can focus my time better. I think for those who are feeling really time deprived and lost a little focus, they may not be in the cycle at the moment to review their strategic plan, but at this time of the year, it might need some tweaking to enable some refinement, to enable that sharpness um, as we move forward. And the framework actually indicates that the strategic plan should be reviewed annually with the AIP, the, the yes. two are working conjunction. And with that, Kath, that might be a nice uh, segue then into talking about the three levels of planning for school improvement that you have mapped yes. out. Yeah. So I know I've played on, you know, the curriculum three levels of planning around the provision for whole school and year and band plan and unit planning. But to me, it's the same deal. So, you know, this is the, the in the toolkit for the principals and their school their leadership team. So three levels of planning is around the strategic planning. And again, this is where the meta language is really important. So the language of priorities and strategies sits under strategic planning. It tells about what is the main focus and it's through the success indicators that articulate the impact on learning, teaching and ways of working that you paint the picture of what you actually want to see in four years or in three years, two years. So this is where the strategies can be broad enough because they they explain why. And any of um, anyone that's seen Simon Sinek's podcast around you know the importance of the word why, it tells about what's the intent. And to make it easier sometimes to distinguish, I relate it to it's an ing word. It's a word that ends in ing. So it's about building, enabling, providing, empowering. So it's that bigger global picture that tells the why. It's engaging the heart. The success indicators where we engage the head. So this is where we look for the impact on our learning, on the on the learning, the teaching, and the ways of working, and that's giving the the global picture for the next four years. So strategic plan is the first level of planning and if we relate it to curriculum, it's the provision of the whole school planning. 
The next level down, we have annual implementation plans or AIPs. The priorities from the strategic plan and the strategies from the strategic plan have to be reflected in the AIP. The AIP is the enabler and we get the direction for it through the targets that we set aligned to the success indicators and the actions we articulate. So the actions really telling about, you know, who's going to do it, when they're going to do it, how it's going to be done. And that's, you know, think of it like that checklist that you can just tick off. Yeah, I've provided that PD and I've sent Mary to, you know, work shadow with someone else, that sort of thing. Some um, AIPs will also include more focused checkpoints. So for every three, you know, every three months, there might be some additional checkpoints to just keep track that we're um, heading in the direction we want. So three months, six months, nine months, or really, you know, in our language, term two, term one, term two, term three. Then, as I said before, the third level is at that sort of detailed action planning. And that's sort of in the past where we may have referred to it as our explicit improvement agenda, but it's really the whole three levels um, enable us to have a very clear, sharp and narrow explicit improvement agenda. So in a bigger high school or in an area where the school leadership team might feel as though they themselves aren't sure and they really want to articulate and think through and agree to, okay, we need to do this first, we need to do that first. And they might do um, develop their detailed action plan using the inquiry planner. It might be based on the chain of evidence. You know, there are tools that can be used. It doesn't have to be just a, you know, table sort of with timelines and that. It could be a Gantt chart. Just different ways of really nutting out so that they maintain the foot on the pedal and keep that in focus. Same way as at unit planning and curriculum, we're differentiating for the context, for the complexity, for the the staffing experience that we've got in our school and that sort of thing. So yeah, the, the three levels of planning for school improvement, that's a term I've just given to it, but I just I think it's a nice way to be able to visualise. And again, Trudy, we might be able to put that um, table that I've got on the notes for this podcast too. Yeah. And Kath, one of the things that I've had conversations with school leaders about is, you know, we have those plans for teaching. These are your plans for leading. So by doing an action plan, you're not leaving it by chance or you're not getting to the middle of term and going, oh, what should I do next? You've actually mapped it all out and, and accounted for what you want to do each week, staff meetings, you know, data, you know, when does the assessments have to be done or when is moderation occurring and what's the flow on from that. So it's all actually thought out in advance yeah. and it's it then can be actioned quite systematically because it's planned for. Yeah. It might be a, a, um, an overview of a, a range of PLCs, you know, that you want to actually establish in your school but you want to start with the the leaders of those PLCs and that they actually understand what the purpose of it and can lead it collaboratively and, you know, with intent, that sort of thing. Yep, there's yes. a range of things it can look like. Exactly. Yes, and I think, again, that, that document, that table that you've just talked through would be great. We'll make sure we get that in the show notes as well. So, yeah. Kath, as school leadership teams start to do this work, 
who can they turn to for support? Yeah. So principals can access, um, you know, regional staff through their ARD. So work can be commissioned through and with the ARD. Um, this is definitely a space I work in with a range of principals across the region. Uh, we have Leanne in the bunker who can also provide support for small schools. Uh, Lisa and her team in the claw, the lead principals and the ARDs themselves. So, you know, I'm sure there's more people than that, but they would be the key um, staff who have got that sort of mentioned in their or included in their portfolio of work. In terms of other resources other than human resources, which also support this process, and we've already talked about the the, the school planning, reviewing, reporting framework. We have um, the evidence hub we've had for a while, and that's a great resource. And it was the the first released one, and I think they're working their way through to modernise the images that are in there. But we just within the last few months have had the leading school improvement online site and the intentional collaboration site also released and they are um, well prepared well thought out resources that link with each other so it's not duplicating but it's showing that these things are all connected they're overlaid um, there's strategies for you know enabling intentional collaboration the fishbone is a great strategy to innate, to really drill down into the cause and effect. Uh, but on the leading school improvement site, not only does it have the webinars, but it also provides the transcripts and the PowerPoints. So you can tap into there at any time within your cycle. Um, I'm tapping in there quite a bit for some of the resources and, and conversations that I'm having. Uh, yeah, good point of reference. Yeah, they are. And the school improvement and intentional collaboration sites were um, really excitedly received. So I think there's a few more nerdy folk around who um, <laughs> were like you, Kath, very excited to see those. And, and there is just great, great stuff on those sites to support school leadership teams. Yeah. So, Kath, as we wrap up, anything else that you wanted to say about this process? We mentioned it before, Trudy, and that's about often when I sit down with people to start talking about strategic planning, the process tends to want to be rushed and to really be authentic about the process, to really be collaborative, um, evidence-informed, it does need time and you need to be able to look at how do you create that time, um, how do you give yourself permission to actually take a step back and reflect, to review and to look in the, into the future, what's our intent. These documents really have got to be living and breathing. Uh, I think in the past we used to, we were calling them animated, so they really do not just sit on the bookcase or just sit in one school. They've got to be shared. They've got to be on your school website. Um, the strategy could be used in the newsletter, you know, as a 
organising framework for the content that you're going to put in that on that page of the newsletter. It's got to be known. And if we're talking about sharp and narrow, that the magic of three. You know, I should be able to walk into any school, a new parent should be able to walk into any school, a student should be uh, able to articulate what's our school on about, one, two, three. We can all do that and um, it enables everyone to keep focused. That's where the focus then is for, you know, the investing in our school's money. It's where our time and effort, our um, PDPs are aligned to. It just gives us that focus. And it does require effort. Whenever I've sat with people for, you know, say a two-hour period, you can see how exciting and relieved but drained people get because we're so used to running all the time, doing the quick responses, you know, I've answered that, I'm off to the next thing or I've dealt with that call. But thinking strategically is so outside of our normal way that we work because we're so busy and it's just, you know, action after action, response after response. But yeah, so that time requires effort and if you can put those in, that's guaranteeing that you're going to have a plan that's going to be living and breathing and it's purposeful and will give the direction you need. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Kath. And thank you for sharing those insights and the models and your expert knowledge in this space. And I know that you've got lots of work planned over the coming weeks and months in supporting schools in the work that they're doing. So. Thanks for sharing it with uh, everyone through this episode. Thanks for the offer and the invite, Trudy. I've appreciated it. Yeah. Now, you know, too, we do the fast five at the end. So are you ready to do those with me, Kath? Yes. Yes. Trudy. So, Kath, when and where was your first teaching appointment? My first appointment with State was at Warwick. So I was at Warwick West State School. Um, in terms of the when... 1985, I hated writing that down. It was for a year two class. I was the sixth teacher who started on that class on the 4th of June. And um, when I arrived, the paper allocation for that class had been all used up for the year because there were so many relief teachers before me. And I remember using coloured sheets of paper from TAB that were printed on one side and blank on the other. They were provided to the school and we could use that through the photocopier or the stencil. So back then, yes, the end. One of my, my key learnings at that time was how to pack the cues and air rods. Yeah. That's cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the memories. <laughs> Kath, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? You sort of mentioned it before, Trudy. It's that when the light comes on and people go, oh, we're sort of on the right direction, but now we've got clarity. It's when when I sit with that, seeing the lights come on is sort of what I, and that's the teacher in me, it's it's enabling people to be able to, to get some clarity and I think that word clarity has got a lot of um, meaning in this sort of situation and precision and alignment and intentional collaboration, of course, our guiding principles. Yeah. Yep. Very good. 
So, Kath, what's your best book or film recommendation? Uh, this look, this one, I quite often will answer with the same thing, and that's the movie. It's a 1999 movie called The Golden Mile, and there might be some people here that were listening who would look at it and go, what on earth is she talking about? But it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's based on a Stephen King book. And what resonates with me through this movie, and I've watched it oh, probably two times every year sort of thing for the last, you know, so many years. But it's set in the 1930s, and it's a real lesson in um, discrimination and inclusivity. So it's that making the judgments, um, letting hatred, letting racism, letting um, bias determine your response to people. And to me, that's just a very, very key message. And it's, you know, it's interesting. This is a 1999 movie. It's set in the 1930s, and we're still having conversations today around, you know, inclusivity and cultural responsive practices, that sort of thing. And I know you'll ask me about the favourite quote, and my favourite quote does actually come from that movie, and it's about miracles happen in the most unexpected places. So those times and those things where sometimes you might feel overwhelmed or that there's no light at the end of the, end of the tunnel, it's about having that hope, and that hope quite often comes from walking a mile in someone else's shoes or the have, having the willingness to walk the mile with someone else, even at the risk of being ridiculed or scorned for doing that, you know, being open to the impact of others sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a great recommendation for us all. Thanks, Kath. Now, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Well, this one here, you're going to hate me for it, Trudy. This one, um, the best kept secret that my husband and I have around the what the Mackay area has to offer is now no longer an option for people. So I'm sorry to do this to you. So there was a road, it is now closed, but there was a road between Youngler and Collinsville. So the back road through Youngler Dam, and it took you over what's called Mount Barker. So when you drive on this four-wheel drive road, when it was open, the you're driving along the very edge of the mountain and you're looking down over the Bowen Basin. It was just amazing. The countryside is full of ironbarks, termite mounds, wedge-tailed eagles. So sort of reminded us a bit of our 10 years, you know, that we had in, out in the northwest, out in Mount Isa area. But then as you go down to Little Bowen River, there's the ghost gums, the massive ghost gums. You know, there's always that risk of seeing a salty or a freshwater crocodile. Um, but, yeah, it takes you right out through to Collinsville. That road's now closed. So the only way you can do that now from Youngler is the pipeline road through Glendon. But the pinnacle to Youngler Road, I believe, is still open. So that's the original track that you used to be able to um, travel to Youngler on before the range was built. Uh, I believe that you have to actually get a permit to travel that route because um, 
that enables them to know where to send out the search and rescue. But, you know, <laughs> well, for those adventurers who might like a, another sort of way of seeing the countryside, just glorious yeah, areas. There are rumours of a bike track being developed or built over the next few years from Youngler to Netherdale. So those who don't want a four-wheel drive, you've got an option then for two-wheel drive. Wow. <laughs> wow, that's amazing, Kath. Your local knowledge, just awesome. And and even though the, the uh, four-wheel drive track that you referenced is now closed, I'm sure that anyone who's driven that track, you've just provided some great memories for them, if they've had that experience. Yeah, you painted the picture beautifully. Well, thanks, Kath. It's been great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Trudy. Have a good afternoon. You too. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.qld.gov.au. If you have enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app you will find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Deezer. If you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversations, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.